talking about? Cheer wine. That actually tastes a lot more like rip beer than kind of you made it sound like. Oh, really? Yeah. Grim, what do you, what are the vibes you're getting from it? It tastes like the, have you been to Cherry Republic before? Yes. It tastes like one of their like staple. Do they have one of those drinks? Yeah, like it's like a boom chugalugga is what they call it. <laughs> boom chugalugga. I mean, I thought Cheerwine was a good name, but boom chugalugga <laughs> is way better. Here, um, we need a dink. Oh, yeah. It's a good dink sound. Give you some bread just for a second. Oh, I gotta be a part of like this. We have to. There you go. <laughs> that was chaos. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Back to the Roots. Hold on, I just managed to half <laughs> strangle myself. With my... <laughs> you look like an amateur over there. Like you've never done this before. I am a complete amateur, Brent. <laughs> As are you, but you're the one to thank for the amateurness or for us starting out at all. If it wasn't for you and Maggie, honestly, I don't think we would have done eat my shorts probably not and that's what got us into all this in the first place i'm so sorry don't be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> did you listen to the last eat my shorts i did and i was like i kept going i'm like i think this is what carter was talking about when nathan gets abducted so yeah. that was really well done by the way thank you yeah was... that's a great way to just transition mm -hmm. that so here's yeah. the question as an avid follower of eat my shorts we don't know <laughs> we don't we think it's it seems like we're going to keep going but we're we're rediscovering the chemistry i think because like how do we explain it it's like nathan, nathan was the chemistry Nathan was a little bit of a glue as far as not necessarily as a group because like I think we all have a different dynamic together personally but when it came to like podcast mode I don't know he brought a certain energy that I wish, was yeah. different I wish I remembered my chemistry well enough like whatever that there was like an agent that like that that acted made everything work in chemistry formulas uh -huh. like whatever that is the in baking it's the, cream of tartar <laughs> I don't I actually don't I know. have a Maggie we had cream of tartar in our house when we first got married. She was like buying all the spices that we need. She's like, We need cream of tartar. And literally five years later, we still had never touched the cream of tartar. <laughs> and apparently you only use it for like meringue or something. That's I don't know, Graham. You're the you're the chef in this scenario. I don't know. <laughs> have you ever used cream of tartar that you know? I thought of? you were talking about just like um what's the stuff you put with your fish? Tartar, tartar sauce. Tartar yeah. sauce. I'm like Does that have cream yeah. of tartar in it? No, I don't think so. For a second I thought, you know, you were definitely on track. Like, yeah, you should just have tartar sauce for anything oh. uh, but <laughs> i don't i don't think tartar sauce would go on anything besides fish i don't know i feel like <laughs> what if you tried it with you say this like you're i don't confident. know i just feel like there's more options than than there i mean you could put it on a turkey sandwich tartar sauce <laughs> that sounds terrible you i don't put know it with about your, that your one. fried chicken your, uh, i don't i challenge you to try it your beef jerky that would no yeah, that's like, a, that's next a no. time on your road trip, <laughs> that's good, that's good. left that's hand tartar sauce, right hand beef stick. <laughs> the squeezable like tartar yeah. sauce. So it's like you hold it and you just squeeze it out all along oh, the beef gross. stick. <laughs> I don't like tartar sauce that tartar much. Tartar sauce and celery. That might work. Ants I guess. on the sea. It's like ants on a log. <laughs> <laughs> it's a creamy sea. Oh. Uh. Uh, I want I want an update when you try that on something else, and you confirm that it was bad idea. I might confirm otherwise. I don't know. I, for, I was gonna say I was gonna put it in in this, 
Wait, wait, wait. You're going to put what in there? I was like, I just put tartar sauce as an example in my cheer wine, but I'm like, it's going to just become a lot, bunch of like white little flecks, and I don't want white oh, little flecks. That's, that is gross. It would curdle, probably, yeah. That reminds me of like when uh, I was at a youth retreat like a couple weeks ago, and one of the guys, he's a, a senior, um, which is a little unfortunate, but he uh, was... <laughs> He's that kid in youth group who just does stuff for attention. So he went during one of the meals and did a suicide drink, you know, with everything. Yep. But they had like a coffee bar there and milk. So he put milk in this. No. And that's pretty much what happened. Is it like, you know, curdled, I yeah. guess. And that's just like poison. Yeah. What's the orange drinks with you mix the ice cream? Orange Julius's? It's like orange juice and... I don't like orange Julius's. They yeah. kind of... Yeah. They've given me a headache in the past. Yeah. It it's is like ice cream and orange juice. It's not good. Not a huge fan. Well, <laughs> you know, again, this from the guy that would put tartar sauce, tartar in sauce, wine. and vanilla ice cream. Also coming. <laughs> Stop it! You had such a serious just look mix on that your up, face. like a milkshake. Oh no one gosh. would ever. No one would ever know. Screw it! Just put chunks of cod in there too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know what is actually good though is milk in root beer. We'll have to do that on this podcast sometime. It's called. Um, uh, it's just like a melted root beer float yeah, in that say. case. It's called like a... a oh, um, I know what you're talking about. I've heard the name of those things before. Yeah. I want to say Blue Moon, but that's the name of the beer. But at least that's what my youth pastor called it. He called it something moon. Yeah. Moo moon or yeah. moo juice. I don't know. I think in old like soda shops used to be able to do that Probably. kind of stuff. So. But yeah. it is good, actually. It's like creamy and it's been a minute since I had it. But Brent, welcome to Back to the Roots. It's your, This has been... A long time coming. It's long overdue. Long yeah, overdue. Long, first time, long time listener, first time <laughs> guest. We talked about before you came in, like when we started making like little short films, when we were doing things like hanging out as kids. We called it GBC Productions, which is Graham Benjamin Carter Productions. And I was like, we should just create a new podcast and call it GBC, but it's Graham Brent carter <laughs> and then if i'm not there then you can just throw benjamin in yeah, and it'd be we fine. could yeah if we can tear him away from his life <laughs> he's a very busy guy <laughs> but that's partially because of your uh your occupation which is you're always on the road um for another month or so and then month. i won't be yeah are you staying in your trailer right now yeah okay. yeah it's too hard to move out of our trailer for a couple of weeks yeah. and there are still people in our house so wait who's are. staying in your house i saw the lights on so do you know <laughs> Oh, uh, no, but I, well, I know who they are. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Missionary friends. So they just bought a house in South Bend. So they're moving in April. Weren't they overseas? I thought they were overseas. They were. Oh, but now they're not. But they're back. <laughs> Was the most interesting missionary I've ever known. You're the most interesting missionary I've ever known. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> so unfortunately not true. Anyway, uh, his occupation overseas, because he was in a country that missionaries were not allowed. Um, I don't even know. That he's we're a gonna background. Say, we're going to probably have to like edit out his name now and all this yeah. stuff. But he's a background as a chemist. Yep. But then you finish. He would. He was making cheese from various animals. So his latest was camel milk cheese because it's like super like. No one's ever done that. Camel and milk. he developed a system because it would like curdle or something and it, you couldn't do it. And then he found a way to his chemist background to make cam, camel milk cheese. Did he bring any back? I don't know. It wasn't a he great He figured out the model. Nathan Cowles piece to make camel's milk. Ah, uh, the cream of tartar. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it all back together. Yes. What if it actually the is? The tartar sauce. <laughs> so now they're, they're probably going to do that here in the States because there's such a large um, Muslim. Yep. Con 
like people immigrating here that there's actually demand for it. So interesting. But again, all this will probably be edited out now because of. We'll just, bleep, we we'll, just I'll bleep out his name. There we go. They'll never know. Some guy. <laughs> Can you use that? Yes. Can you use that sound to bleep yes. out? Please, yeah. But they're, they're not going to have any contact because they listen through. They're just going to hear a burp over his name. Like, what? What was his name? They won't know until three minutes All right, later. So what's the, tell me the review on that. Like, what I, would you say? It's super good. Super good. Um, uh, cherry notes. So yeah. <laughs> Many so, cherry notes. I don't think, I don't know if I've ever actually, if I said it while we were recording. Um, this is Cheerwine, established 1917. Uh, shout out to the movie, 1917. Great movie. Um, yeah, I'm it definitely cherry notes, but not as cherry heavy as I thought it was going to be. And no cherry in the ingredients. <laughs> oh, that's sad. It feels like when I've had it, it feels more like actual cherry than artificial cherry. Yeah. yeah. And it's not overly sweet like most cherry stuff is. Because like, Graham, do you like Dr. Pepper? You're not... I have started to develop more of a Dr. But Pepper. But for a while you didn't because it reminded you of cough syrup. Right. Yeah, I also chose not to drink it for weird reasons because I felt like I didn't like it until I would go visit family in Texas because it just felt right to drink Dr Pepper when I was in Texas, and now I'm just I like it, so I'm gonna drink it whenever. But I kind of overcame the the cherry syrup, huh? Because that could taste like it, but it doesn't really taste like no, cough syrup. it does no. not. I've never had that issue where I thought cherry flavored things tasted too much like cough syrup, but this definitely doesn't cross that line. Definitely not. So what is it like being almost done with road life? We've, we've had this it's, conversation it's not many that, times. It's not that we've asked you these questions. <laughs> just, this is actually... Did I show up to just be asked the same questions you no. asked me for the well, docuseries? We're still on the clock. We're actually... Okay. This is another interview for the docuseries. <laughs> so for quick context, Graham and I, um, that trip we talked about a couple episodes ago where we went down to Louisiana. That was... And ate Boudin and Cracklins. Boudin and Cracklins. Because you didn't remember the name of it on the podcast. That's right, we didn't. We were calling everything uh, uh, Jambalaya. Jambalaya, <laughs> yeah. Everything. Yeah. But yeah, we were going down to visit Brett and his team, so that's the context. But Yeah, so we are... Um, we're here for a couple of weeks. We took the event that the team is at off, and then we have two more um, events. So it does feel a little strange, but... Um, I was actually just processing this with somebody else in the office and a couple other people doing that docuseries was like the therapy I needed, um, before I actually got to this point. So I think I would be in a much more, um, emotional and, um, unsettled spot, but I basically had, you know, I've had really a whole year cause we've known that we were transitioning for a year. Um, but I really had those couple of weeks with you all at the start of the semester to process through all of what I um, would have processed through, but I got to do it in a more spread out and with a traveling uh, therapy crew. So if you're ever going through a major life transition, I just recommend having Carter and Graham come and, film and filming life. you <laughs> and asking you questions that you don't want to answer, but that you're forced to for um, entertainment sake, um, <laughs> ministry purposes, hopefully. But um, yeah, I, I think we're doing well. Um, I think once we decided the final point, um, which was after we were with you guys, we didn't know exactly when our last yeah. conference would be. That also just created some um, a tethering point, if you will, yeah. to kind of provide some stability. So, cool. Today we're good. Nice. Tomorrow we may not be. We brought a cat back with us. I oh, saw I that. Saw I, that. Yeah. Like oh, one of my gosh. favorite pictures that Maggie has posted in a long time is all the kids posing with the cat. Getting, I guess it was getting shots or something, or I don't know what it was. Yes. So we were in South Carolina. This cat shows up at our trailer door. 
going backwards, we had a cat um, during the first early years of Gideon's life, and then the cat died. In that stretch, Maggie developed a weird cough um, that she came home one day and uh, thought was tuberculosis. <laughs> so I said, if you have tuberculosis, we have a much bigger issue at our hands <laughs> than you just mentioning that casually. So she had done what we all do, right? She went to WebMD and started Googling her symptoms, and that was, Whoops. of course, the one that popped up was tuberculosis. <laughs> I proceeded to say, I think you're allergic to the cat because your eyes are also runny and you're sneezing and... So she got tested, sure enough, had a I cat. I think those are symptoms of tuberculosis as well. <laughs> Probably. There's also a lot of other symptoms that she did not have. Oh. Um, I don't know what they are well, yeah, but uh, I, I think it's much more severe. Yeah. So cat died. Gideon was traumatized for a while. Gideon's my oldest son. Um, and then this cat shows up, and obviously we have to adopt it, right? Correct. Not from my perspective, but from my family's. So... Uh, Maggie starts rubbing her face in the cat multiple times a day, trying to prove that she's not allergic. About a week later, she starts developing a cough again, which she said she's had for weeks. I said, let's be honest. You I have it's tuberculosis again. That's right. Yep. <laughs> no, Brent yeah. is the one who's had a cough for weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. <laughs> I've had to edit out like hundreds of coughs. <laughs> I did notice there was at least one in there. So good job keeping it yeah. in the restaurant. But there's um, this couldn't get rid of it. There was this one shot that we didn't uh, use like all the way to the end because it was covered up, but. It was like you said something, and then you just you, you take that big suck in, and then it just cuts. <laughs> like Graham and I are the only ones who understand it, but it's, he's about to cough, and you can we could hear it ringing in our heads. Oh man, yeah. So, um, so the cat uh, came home with us. Its name is Opie. Hmm. Maggie likes a YouTuber named Mariah Elizabeth, or not Maggie uh, Haven and Hope do. That's kind of does some art stuff, and she has a cat named Opie. Hmm. So it's gray. It's cute. It'll be outside cat. But we had to take it to the doctor to make sure it didn't have rabies or all that stuff for it. Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. <laughs> it might. I had a dream They didn't test for that. <laughs> they tested for leukemia. In a cat? Yep. Apparently, in case you wanted to know if your cat would live a long time, we tried to tell them not to, but I think they did anyway. Interesting. So, leukemia tests are new in the cat checkup That can't world. be a cheap thing to treat. Cool. Like I'd rather just not know. That's weird. I've never heard we of that. We wouldn't have treated it, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I had a dream last night about adopting a cat. And? and uh, I don't know what happened. I, all I know is that the guy, he go, Sammy, he, Sammy was in the dream. He was trying to <laughs> offer me a cat. and Shout was, out to Sammy Hernandez. It was a black cat. And I was like, I don't think our dog's going to like that. And and then we were outside at night. And he was like, oh, I'll just try it. And he throws the cat out there. And they just chase each other around. I'm like, oh, I guess it's working. And then I was like, is it a boy or a girl? And he's like. I don't know. I don't know how to tell. <laughs> and that was the end of the dream. <laughs> Sammy, my wife knows how to uh, to determine the gender of cats. So if, if if Sammy Hernandez is listening to this and wants to go back in Jam Graham's dream <laughs> and give her, her his cat, yeah, he goes to my small group. I uh, I wasn't gonna go tonight, but I might have to go just to like ask him. Do you know how to tell if a cat's a boy or a girl? <laughs> I was gonna show him two pictures. <laughs> Which one's the boy? Which one's the girl? <laughs> have you ever had <laughs> the first question that pops in my mind is very deranged have you ever had to make that call of like I mean you're talking about like if your cat has leukemia you're not going to treat it like that's a difficult decision to make no it's not for an animal well not in this situation here's this is a stray cat but like say it, thistle is shot with a poison arrow <laughs> and you can either remove it 
and give pay for her to get treated for a thousand dollars or not remove it and watch her die. Is PETA a sponsor of this episode before I answer? <laughs> not yet, but actually that's a good idea. They're about not to be based on my answer. <laughs> oh, you go. would watch this will die. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I don't think I mean so for context, I grew up on a farm. Oh. So animals are utility. Yeah. We're very different in this. So wait, sense. thistle is a utility? <laughs> Thistle's not even utility to me. Thistle's just an expense on my line item budget. Actually, she's utility she's because she, she's waiting she to provides get shot. she provides joy to my family and I tolerate her, but she's an expense on my budget. So um Do you know the expense on your budget? It's not much. Oh well that's good. We only give her the shots that she needs to get when we have to board her and the cheapest dog food we could provide. So we are low maintenance. She cost me $50 at the Berrien County Animal Control six years ago. That's not bad. And then we spent $450 to treat her kennel cough. I need to give our dog shots. Never you done that. probably do. Anti-vax. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that applies to this situation. So, yeah, I would uh, I would not. So, like, the other thing, our dog developed a couple years ago, like, this limp. And so we were like, great, she's going to, like, need some kind of surgery and our vet's going to look down on us. I've always wanted a three-legged dog. Just putting that out there. This would be a good-looking three-legged dog. This is a good-looking four-legged dog. That's true she is. She could pull off three. <laughs> sure. <laughs> anyway, so she anyway, she was limping and we took her to the vet and the vet's like, well, um, we're a horse clinic, so... Um, we don't We're really shoot it. <laughs> pretty much, she's like, you got two options. You can take her to an animal hospital and pay three thousand dollars to have surgery. Um, and I said, I'm not sure I would have three thousand dollars surgery done on my knee. Um, or you can give it joint supplements and something else. And sure enough, it took care of most hmm. of the issue. So, whenever I think of a dog with a limp, it just reminds me of. Did you, did you ever watch Marley and Me? That yes. Sadist yeah. made movie. <laughs> Cause like, How do you really feel about it? I hate it. <laughs> I left the room and was weeping. Like, do you do you know the Becky Riggenbach? Yeah, yeah. So she before she got married, she used to be like really close with my mom. So like, she came That's over right. while my dad was out of town because whatever my dad would leave for a work thing, my brother, my mom, and I would all do a movie night. So and I knew how that movie ended because somebody had told me. So I'm like, no, please no. But I just like got through the first half three quarters. Oh, it's fun. It's like a rom com with a dog, and then. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then it's walking up the stairs and Owen Wilson's kids are like, daddy, why does it have a limp? And Owen Wilson's like, I don't know. <laughs> and then it's like a cut to the vet and it's like, your dog has a twisted bowel. <laughs> so whenever I think of a dog with a limp, that's what I think of. It's maybe, maybe this will have a twisted bowel all along, but I don't think that remedies itself with joint supplements. <laughs> Probably not. I like that you described that movie as a rom-com with a dog. I really thought that's a great way to describe it's, it. That's like the vibe of it. It's yep. like kind of fun and it's like yep. quirky and it's got Owen Wilson. It's got I mean, Owen Wilson exactly. Yep. He's halfway there. Yep, halfway to a dog. <laughs> Pretty Maybe. much. He's yep. shaggy. He's like he's a golden retriever. <laughs> if Owen Wilson, he was would a dog. be a golden retriever. Yep, yep. That's what you know. What that would be a good podcast. You try to determine what celebrities are like. What kind of dog? Let's do it now. Johnny yeah, Depp. We have time. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh, he's a pincher, man. Dover and pincher. <laughs> I have to Google these dog names. Uh, what about... Uh... What came to your mind? Did you have somebody or no? Nope, I did not. I'm not good with dog names. Man. John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say a, a pit bull, but pit bulls have more like personality than John <laughs> Cena does. 
That's I, I mean that was the first thing that came to mind was some kind of bulldog kind of thing, but I'm probably more of a mastiff. bulldog. Probably more a of a pu- bulldog. A pug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um if John's seen as a pug, then what's That's is, not right. That pug's not right. He's what's, not big enough. What's Dwayne Johnson then? Uh oh he's a he's gotta be a Rottweiler. Oh uh, yeah, I could see that. He's uh, Rottweilers are pretty pretty lean, but I could see it. Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> he's like one of those. He's like a little black Shih Tzu. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Border Collies are came to my mind. So, but Shih Tzu is probably better. I he like strikes that. me as a small, loud dog. <laughs> Nothing against Jimmy Fallon. I love Jimmy Fallon. Um, Martin Short. Who's that? Uh, I would. I don't know actors' names. See, I, again, I'm terrible with dogs. I would say Brett just glares at me and then looks away. He doesn't give me <laughs> well, any again, context. For context, I travel with people your age a lot, and I often make references, and they're like, "I don't know who that is," and I'm like, "I know who I'm so." Is. I knew you would because you're. I'm into all short. things all, ancient. <laughs> <laughs> the Three Amigos. You ever seen the Three Amigos? Great movie. Okay, I've seen this guy in a couple things. Yeah, Father of the Bride. Father of the Bride. Probably most well known from Prince of Egypt. <laughs> For oh, your generation, wait, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Why does it say he's in Santa Claus three? Because he is. He is. Is he the clone? He's the frost guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least best movie. Oh, my my one suggestion of actor bombed. So I'm sorry. It only bombs with us because I don't know dog names <laughs> and I don't know actor names. <laughs> high five! All right. Well, that was the worst high five. That was better. There we yep. go. That was yep. bad. Yeah. We were a failed duo. Do you know the key to a good high five? No. You look, oh, at, look the at the elbow. elbow. Yep. It's I've it's weird, that. but it's true. It doesn't work for you? It's I've maybe Let's overthought try. it. That actually worked, <laughs> and that was on my left hand. Ready? Uh, did you look at my elbow? I did. Grim. <laughs> I'm just like Graham was kind of overthinking that one, I think. That was a really awkward looking high five from the first person perspective. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. But a recommendation for a show, now that we're just all over the topics. Uh, we I watched all the way through a comedy special. It has three episodes okay. to it. And it's the guy, it's Ben Schwartz. So do you ever watch Parks and Rec? Mm-hmm. So John Ralphio is the one guy. And the other guy is the lead oh, guy from uh, Silicon Valley show. So he's like a skinny kind of like, they both are real, they play really well together and they do it. It's a complete improv show. So they ask the audience questions like, what is something you, they, they the, the consistent prompt is, what is something you are dreading or not looking forward to? A big event. Then a bunch of people like shout out things and they pick somebody and they interview them for like five minutes and then they do an hour special based on what they interviewed them. That's really fascinating. The first episode is like amazing. And the other two are like still super enjoyable, but not like as good. But just if you need something fun, but also super creative and just like the quirky, just like two friends, just like being friends and also being really talented is really fun to watch. So, What's that on? What platform? Netflix. Do you want to give me your Netflix login? They're cracking down on that, man. <laughs> sure. Whoppa! All right. Because I don't... I'll I don't, give it to I you because I, I want for, you to watch it. All right. I don't pay for Netflix. I could, yeah. I could give you mine, too. How about I give you I'm just trying to mine. work my way into free Netflix. I'll give you his. No, yours. <laughs> <laughs> How are they cracking down? Oh, they, they raised the prices. Well, they raised the prices, but then there's been all these tweets and stuff where it's like they are wanting to crack down specifically on people sharing their login. I don't know how they're going to do that. I think they're going to do it like Hulu does it, which is Hulu, like you, the owner of the account has to put in their home address. So if somebody tries to play it on their TV and it's not their home address, then it it won't let (gasps) them. Could you use like a VPN thing though? 
you probably could. Unless they're watching at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, until they crack down on that. Man, this send me your login so I can watch it. is making me burp like crazy. <laughs> Graham, just send me your, your Netflix login info. I'll drop it in the description. <laughs> yeah. so, so While we still can. can. <laughs> everybody. Get on Graham's account. Only four screens at a time. Uh, <laughs> we'll start We'll start like a Discord like channel. There so it's go. like people yeah. will like yeah. start asking, like, six is it eight. open? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can start charging them for the You just have slots. like a time slot that you just select. What would, what would the value of a time slot for that show be? Give me a price that you would pay to watch that so it's an hour long like what do you what do you mean like how much yeah. is it worth to watch it yeah uh compared to what like what so give me a range of spectrum like what is your favorite thing to watch and least favorite thing to watch no just know? tell me what you would pay to watch that episode uh i don't know i would pay 20 bucks wow 20 bucks that that to, makes me really want to watch, to watch all three of them i would watch 20 bucks and it's all you an hour the three hours yeah that's that yeah you got me. You got me interested. And John Ralphio is my least and most favorite character on that show. Yeah. I love him and hate him, which he's is the whole way idea more of this character. normal because he's not playing John Ralphio. But he can. But he's. They're playing like both of them are playing not just two characters. They're playing like twenty characters at once, and they're juggling them, you know, and switching. So he might have like a John Ralphio type character along with just some more like regular guys. I'm not sure I can visualize him as something other than John Ralphio because it's really he, fun is, to watch. he is John Ralphio. Yeah. Like it, it's incredible. I was watching, it's not a good show. It's on Netflix, Space Force with, um, yeah. What's his name? Steve Carell. Steve Carell. And he's in that too. And it's just lazy writing in that show because they basically write him in as John Ralphio. And it's just like, you're just trying to ride the wave because the rest of the show sucks. <laughs> but I'm still here at the end of season two. <laughs> I thought it was a movie. No, it's a it's a show. Oh. So you're spending your time watching that, and you have not watched The Book of Boba Fett. It's not that good, though. <sighs> see, that's... Well, that's the thing. That's coming and from... I watched it all. See, okay, Graham told me... You don't think it's that good? No. <laughs> Is well, the Space Force show that much better? It can't be. Probably not, no. no but I'm okay. just... I think... Maybe it's me personally. Like, Boba Fett was my favorite Star Wars character. And they, they didn't do him right. <laughs> I did hear your assessment on that on the Eat My Shorts podcast, yeah. and I didn't have as much attachment to him as you yeah. did. But I didn't watch so. Star Wars till later in life, so I could see your perspective though. On that. It's still enjoyable to watch, I would say, but it's not. It's not what I wanted. <laughs> Obi Wan, it's going to blow it out of the water though. My my boy is pumped about Obi Wan, man. So he's starting to grow his hair out like <laughs> Obi Wan. You know, you kind of look like Ewan McGregor. Graham, we should make a spinoff oh, with Brent as Obi Wan Kenobi. All right, so based on that, what kind of dog would you and McGregor be? Oh, I feel like he's like a boxer. I'll take that. I think that's that's pretty accurate. On that note, I I've been compared have... to a lot of celebrities. That's the best looking one anybody's ever said. So I'll take the that. The beard, like the shading of the beard, yes. like really sells it. Yep. I have to go look at a house, so I will uh, to rent. Graham's bouncing. Uh, Sweet. Still cool though. What address? Tell us the address. Uh, <laughs> it's soon to be Hollywood Boulevard. Ooh, oh, big Grimm's, time. Grim's moving. All right. Good Enjoy your cheer wine. Us. Thank you. I will. I was about to say, try not to give it to him. Here. Then I'm like, yeah, bring it with you. That makes way more sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I I would drink after it, but let me shift it with you. So I'm not in like a sideways oh, yeah. booth situation. Speaking yeah. of which, do you and Maggie like sit? See, Graham. Do you and Maggie sit side to side in a booth ever? I mean, I wouldn't say we never have. It's been rare. Um, I think there were times that we did, but I don't remember the context or why. So it feels weird. Yeah. 
whenever I see couples in public, I feel like they just want to people watch together because that's what that's the only reason I would do it. So now that you say that, like, that might be something that we start doing because we do like people watching. Yep. She she's a big time people watcher. She strikes me. And as I'm a, a big watcher. time people watcher commentator. <laughs> <laughs> do you like do you actually like try to figure out what they're doing or do you make stuff up? Because uh, I mean, some of both for me. Um She's probably more of trying to figure out what they're doing, but I'm more prone to like make unkind remarks about <laughs> them or scenarios that are not true, but are humorous to me in the moment. So I didn't, I, I hadn't really done that before. And then one of my friends just invited me to go to a bar in the middle of the day. He's like, Hey, I'm having a beer. You want to come? I'm like, sure. So I went and we just sat at the bar and we just like watched the 3 PM, like on a Friday <laughs> oh, crowd. No. And it was like, it was so much fun to people watch. Oh, man. There's like a cougar going around trying to talk to oh, every no. guy at the bar. And, but then we're making up like, like there's this, there's these two guys sitting on the corner and they're both like huge. They look like ex, like, um, mafia members so you know coming up with fake backstories for them is a, was a lot of fun. maybe that wasn't as fake as you thought it was i hope it wasn't i hope it was real <laughs> i really do but why would ex-mafia members be at bar louis in mishawaka see that so then when you tell me which one it is i'm like yeah that, they weren't ex if they're yeah. there no 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 definitely. that lost the chance yeah definitely not yeah if you're in some hole in the wall place like uh i'm trying to think of this one in niles a bar or a restaurant? Yeah, it's like up on the north side in a really like, it's it's terrible. I've not <laughs> been to it, but I have friends who used to live over that direction. Yeah. And so we would drive by it all the time, going to their house. What's it by? Uh, the old, that factory that's up there, the big factory that's not not open up there anymore. So like on a... Is it kind of like where the Blueberry Festival Fairgrounds are? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that whole area is sketchy. There's some sketchy spots over there. I'm going to find it. The name of it, the Colonial, I think is what it's called. The Colonial. Yep, pretty sure it's the Colonial. So that that would be the kind of place where I'd anticipate ex mafia members. I'm gonna go there not, then. Not Bar Louis. I'm gonna. We'll record our next episode there. <laughs> you and I. We'll go to the booth and we'll just sit there and we'll people watch. I don't know if there's a booth. It's I, it's, it's not it's, very big, and it's very dark. So great, cool from the outside as I drove by and seen the door open. But anyway, um, talking about TV shows. Um, and given your m more life experience than me, you're older than me is what I'm trying to say. I am. Um, and you're talking about like time slots for like shows. Did you, did you pick up on that transition between like, you know, TV and like catching your show, like at a certain time at a certain day every week? And then like the switch over to like Netflix and stuff like that. Did that, were you like aware of that transition as it was happening or is it, did it just like happen all of a sudden now yeah. here we are? So it's interesting about that. Um, Megan and I got married in 2007, seven, 2007. Mm -hmm. And we didn't have a TV for, or pay for TV ever. Yeah. So we never had like public television and we were able to do that because most of the stuff we wanted to watch, we could just go rent Redbox movie or right. go and um, go to the library. Like library has lots of TV series that we could rent on DVD and watch and stuff. So we, until last, until this time in 2020, we didn't pay for any television services. And then when COVID hit and our lives shut down, we told our kids we'd get Disney plus until COVID was over. So, that's so technically like, it's still not over, so I have still followed that instruction, but that's the only TV service we've ever paid for. You never paid for cable nope. or... Nope. Wow. My family never did growing up. Um, 
but we didn't even like get the like you know it all switched over to analog anyway, right? And so we just never never bothered with it. So is that partially because so, you? Yeah, we never like it really didn't affect us because we haven't really had that kind of streaming service, right? So was that partially because like you so like not being in the TV was that um, kind of because you grew up on a farm. And like, what kind of farm was it? Dairy farm. So my dad. Um, what is it with dairy farm people? You know the funniest. <clears throat> so speaking of Benjamin Ward, <laughs> about a year ago, he texted me, uh, wanted to bring his now fiance to the farm to see some cows, and he uh, he messaged me the one day right before he was going down to. My dad is just a very not. Like Benjamin stood out like a sore thumb down there. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, and my brothers saw him, and they were just like, "Who is this weird hipster guy that you had show up?" Because I mean, Ben fits all of that vibe. Yeah. Um. Anyway, he texted me right before we got down there. He goes, "Hey, uh, we're headed down to tug some udders now." And I'm like, "You cannot." Say, Benjamin said that say, to you. You should not Tugs. say tugging udders. I said, "Please do not say that to my parents or my dad or my brothers." <laughs> so um, Ben and I have a running joke about. Tugging udders. So that's not an actual term. That's it is. It, I mean, it's a Benjamin Ward term, so it will probably catch on. Uh, but it is not a term I've ever heard nor heard since, and don't anticipate outside of that context. I'm gonna, but my, now it's on the internet, so you know it's probably going to go viral. Hopefully, my my uncle is or was a dairy farmer. He still lives on his farm, so I'm going to start throwing that term out. <laughs> yeah, see his reaction when you tell him that, and I would like to have a video. To see if it's similar to how I responded. So he's a very cut through the. No, he's actually he's a. I was gonna say he cuts through the bullcrap. He's actually a very bullcrap kind of guy. But is uh, that like like he, symbolic because you're talking about cows? I I guess it could be. <laughs> it, I didn't think of it, but yeah, that's true. Yep. But I'll see. I'll see if he can handle it or not. Yeah. So we didn't grow up with. Um, we didn't pay for cable. My parents just were super simple and um, yep. never really grew up with it. So um, then Maggie. Maggie and I, um, I mean, I just was, I was frugally when we got married. Um, and she, her dad like watched TV all the time. They had cable. And so, um, I just think it was something we just decided not to really mess with and, um, right. hadn't really missed it now. Like, you know, we can say that, but like I spend just as much time or more on my phone <laughs> searching social media or watching YouTube videos or, you know, Disney Plus stuff. So it's not like we're now actually living any more time conscious without technically paying for TV than we would if we paid for it. But Right. So when you say you grew up on a farm, that makes me think, and like you didn't watch TV, it automatically makes we me think. We watched like, TV, just not cable. Okay. So we had. What did you watch? Net, all the network stations. So CBS, like, ABC, like what NBC. Sh what, what shows? Well, like what stage of my life? Uh, okay. Well, what? how long, from when to when did you live on the farm? From '84 like, when I was born yeah. to 2006. Okay, I had cable for a stretch when I lived at a apartment so you, in college. So. That's 22, 22 years, something like that. Yep. So okay, high school. What did you watch? I mean, I was a big sports guy, so I watched a lot of sports stuff. I don't remember. Um, oh, Seinfeld. I'm a huge Seinfeld fan. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Seinfeld was the big sitcom that I watched. Um, Earlier than that, shows like Family Matters, Full House, Saved by the Bell, those were the things like when I was in probably elementary or middle school. So, um, okay, hold on. So, you Nash, oh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah Nash yeah. Bridges. Um, those were the shows that we watched some as a family. So, did it bother you? Um, because I assume Quinn, Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. <laughs> you ever see that show? No. 
<coughs> Jane Seymour, I think is the name of the actress. There's a guy named Soliana that was like half Indian and long, curly, flowing hair through tomahawks. He was he was cool. <laughs> that sounds about on par. It was not as show. bad of a show as the title would suggest. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. As I remember in my early teenage years. When you were watching Seinfeld, was it like live, like as it was coming mm-hmm. out? So it was one episode a week, right? So I was a freshman in high school, I think, or maybe a sophomore when this season, when the when the series ended. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it'd be one a week. So it'd be like on a Thursday night at seven or whatever. And then like, the episode be on. But the reruns be... were also running at that same time because it was uh, so popular. So would you would you only watch the new episode? Every oh no, week? I would watch you the would... okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm like, it really bothers me even when uh, this is such an American thing to say. It really bothers me when, you know, like Disney Plus or something, they release a show one episode a week. And that's like they're like hour long episodes, like the Marvel shows or the Star Wars shows. And they're like an hour long. But like Seinfeld, that's like 20 minutes. It's like a 30 minutes with the commercials. Yeah. And it's just like that's. That sounds horrible to me to like get because I probably wouldn't get sucked into a show like that. It has. I mean, so. It has changed the way we consume that kind of media right. streaming services because you can go watch five or six episodes of a sitcom mm-hmm. in a sitting and not feel bad about it. But you just, there was not even that option. So even if they ran it in syndicate on, on a rerun, you'd get one episode a day maybe if they ran it five days a week. Yeah. But they weren't running like three or four episodes back to back. Now they do that. Some on cable now with stuff. But yeah, I mean, years ago that wasn't the case. So. so you just, you couldn't binge. But I can still, I again, I have not, I watched some of them on the DVDs when they came out. I'm in the process of recollecting all the Seinfeld DVDs um, <laughs> uh, just for nostalgia's sake and because I don't have Netflix until Graham shares his uh, account with me. Um, but I know all of the episodes. I could probably quote most of them because I've seen them all in rerun format multiple years in a row. Okay, you can't just say that without... <laughs> So, like, if I give you if an you episode give me, title. Yeah, well, here's the beauty about Seinfeld. Their titles are intentionally super simple. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no guessing to it. So, I could probably re- I could probably give you a summary of most of them. Okay. Let's see. Uh, okay, season three. <clears throat> um, we'll start with a simple one, episode six. I can't tell you. Oh, the, sorry, 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 sorry. Because when I was watching it, it wouldn't put up yeah, yeah. season three, no, no, episode yeah. six. No, yeah. uh, you get that so, now. Sorry, I, yeah, I meant to say the name. Uh, the parking garage. Yeah, so they go to a parking, they're at a shopping mall and they're returning something or getting a TV or something and they forget where they park their car. So the whole episode is them wandering around a parking garage. Uh, one of them gets arrested for peeing in the parking garage corner. Um, they get lost. Um, Elaine has a goldfish that dies in a bag. The the part about this, this is something that most people didn't know. If you watch the very end, the car doesn't start and that was not planned. Really? And you can watch the characters just dying laughing inside because <laughs> it wasn't even planned and it's just like the perfect ending to this, this show. They were supposed to drive away, but they get the car and it doesn't even start. That was one so. of the first episodes Graham showed me. Graham that's, got me in the Seinfeld. That's one of the quintessential episodes oh, yeah. because again, the whole premise is that it's about nothing. That show... Or not, or not the show. That episode actually like gives me se- severe anxiety, mostly because of uh, Lane's goldfish. Because it's one of my greatest fears to be responsible for a living thing, <laughs> and like just like it dies because I fail at keeping it alive. Every so time I go anxiety. in a parking garage, I literally think of that episode. No, not without fail. 
That is my association with parking garage. Have you ever peed in a parking garage? No. One time. I I don't I don't pee in non-restroom facilities. Not even unless, outside? Not not often. You grew up on a farm. You didn't pee outside? I, so my my farm, I did as a kid. Right. I think I've advanced past that a little bit. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I mean, you know where I live, right? Like I my do. yard, I don't have a backyard. I grew up Every, in the house. I, grew, I know. I grew up in the house right next to you. I peed in those woods. The woods is different, but in my yard, you, there's somebody around every part of it. I'm on a corner. So, <laughs> I mean, I've told my boys several times growing up, like, this is not okay out here. You have no privacy. You could do it in between your you, your two strips of vineyard. <laughs> you could just... <laughs> I probably could there. But, uh, you know, people up the hill on the other side and down the hill on the other side could see if you looked in the vineyard part. That's true. But so. if you're pretending to pick, pick grapes at the same time, <laughs> so every, we'll get the off The only reason I'm out there is like pretty obvious. I'm never actually out there picking the grapes. Uh, season three, episode 14, The Pez Dispenser. Yeah, this one's great. So uh, George is dating a uh, classic trained pianist and um uh one of their arguments is uh he wants to break up with her he has no he calls it no hand so he has no leverage so the only way to get leverage in the relationship is to try to preemptively break it off so she doesn't understand she wants to do anything to make it work he convinces her to think about him all the time even when she's playing piano so they go to this performance and Jerry somehow finds this Pez dispenser. I think it's, um, it looks like one of the Looney Tunes characters. I don't think it really was, but. I feel like Kramer gave it to him, but I could be it, wrong. I can't remember the details. But he sets it on Elaine's leg in the performance, and she just starts laughing. And she loses her train of thought. And it's a, just a disaster performance, and they don't want to let her know why. But then later, they're going to the bathroom, and Elaine starts talking, and she figures out that was the voice, and the gig's up, and. Uh, the girlfriend breaks up with George, which is a full circle show again about nothing. I feel like most of the shows end up with a breakup or most of the there's episodes. There's a ton of like, that's the part about it. Like there's just a ton of, um, and it's probably part of the, you know, why it was so popular. They, they were willing to address the really awkward, but real life scenarios about dating life that um, people just wouldn't be really talking about. So, right. Like, isn't there an episode where... Um, yeah, there's an episode where, uh, George is dating a girl, but she has like a big nose. Yes. And then like, this would never happen in real life, but they convince her to get a nose job right. and then something and then happens. And it still doesn't, right. Yeah. And then they break up and then she comes back. She got a nose job and she's gorgeous and whatever. Yep. Um, Jerry dates a girl with man hands. Like, yeah, I remember you know, that, that one. That's a whole episode. Um, the, the one that I really like, again, this is, this is the under, um, Great sitcom, lots of humor elements. Um, they really did a good job. Like, if you listened long enough and paid attention long enough, they were really honest about their character flaws, and they were self-aware. Um, they were they were at points really not self-aware, and then other points really self-aware. So, like, there's this one towards the end where they decide to like George and. Jerry, like, what are we doing? Like, we, we're we're not men, we're boys. Like, we we keep breaking up with these girls for no reason, and then they commit to get engaged, and Jerry winds up breaking up with his girlfriend, and George winds it's up getting engaged. engaged so, yeah. <laughs> that whole yeah, that that whole that's a that's a favorite episode of mine. That one is good. Uh, oh, uh, season four, episode twenty, the junior mint. <laughs> another another classic. They uh, Elaine's got a boyfriend. Uh, 
that um, has to have some major surgery, or maybe it's a friend. I'm assuming it's a boyfriend because again, that's what the majority of the shows were about. Um, but in this surgery, Kramer is going to observe. It was like in one of these schools where the doctors would watch. And so somehow him and Jerry are going and watching it and um, Kramer brings Junior Mints or Jerry does yeah, and they Kramer. want to share it and Jerry says no and it flies up and it gets inside of him and they sew him back up and the procedure went well, but they couldn't figure out why he was still really sick and it's a Junior Mint. Like, how could it be that big a deal? So, um, yeah, that's a that's a really good one. What okay? What did you think of... like that? I'm like, this stuff would not happen. Yeah, no. But with these characters, it seemed totally reasonable in that universe. Yeah, it's anything's possible, right? And like Kra Kramer is by and large my favorite character. For oh, sure, yeah, as I think most people. Right, yeah. yeah, but he's completely unexplainable as a real life person. He's so off the reservation, and they never. No, he's not. They never. You've well, not met people like him. Not not really. My circles are pretty small though. Okay, how well do you know your neighbors in your apartment complex? Not at all. Yeah, go start knocking on doors. You'll meet a Kramer, <laughs> probably four or five, which That's I don't blame you for not knowing them or not going around your neighbors because they're like him. They're they're out there, man. That's freaky. Because they never, well, they never, in Seinfeld, they never explain where Kramer gets his money from. Like he gets these random odd jobs here and there and like he even becomes an actor at one point. But he's just, he's living in an apartment in New York City and they never explain how he gets an income. There's a whole, if you like, if you want to go down some long, dark, not dark, but some of them are dark, probably <laughs> web search stuff, look up like all of the theories on how Kramer made his money and why he was able to live in a really nice apartment. Cause it's an expensive apartment. Yeah. I could, I could see, I could see. There's that a lot thing. of theories out there about it. I could see some dark theories. Do you know what his job was before? Do you remember that? Ever seen that episode? Oh yeah. Um, he got laid off or no, oh, they're on strike. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it was at a bakery. Yeah. A specific kind of bakery. H and H bagels, man. Bagels. That's right. <laughs> you just knew the name off and the top they're like, of your head. Oh yeah. They're like, uh, what are they paying? That's the new minimum wage. Now you know who to thank for that. So, you know, just those <laughs> moments are, are classic. What? My other favorite episode, you ever seen the one where, uh, the Kenny Rogers roasters one? Kenny Rogers roasters. Is that the... Explain it. So they build a Kenny Rogers chicken restaurant. Is that the one with the red sign? Yes. The memes? The, yeah. the... And then Jerry <laughs> lives in Kramer's apartment and basically turns into Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And vice versa. Or Jer Jerry learned, turned into Kramer. Yeah. 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 That's one of my favorites. That yeah. one was really good. So. What did you think of the finale? Did you like the finale? Yeah, I mean, I so I probably watched more Seinfeld after the finale than I did before. Interesting. Okay. So I didn't have as strong, you know, like these really diehard fans. Yeah. There you really can't please them on a finale. Like That's I can true. I can probably think of one or two shows that the fans were like that was great. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um cuz your expectations are unworldly. If you actually go back and watch this show and then watch that finale, uh -huh. it's genius. Yeah. Like all the ways they made it tied together. Like they brought in almost everybody and everything, but it never felt like they were trying too hard to do that. It's true. Yeah. I was just like, whenever it's a lot of things they brought in a ton. Yeah. They brought in a lot of the characters. They brought in tons of the secondary characters and most of the like one-off characters. Like it was, it was incredible. What was um what was the first episode that 
Kramer's lawyer comes into the scene because I really <laughs> enjoyed Giles. I really enjoyed him as a character. But what I was the first episode? I mean, he he's in, in three or four. I don't remember if it was the tobacco one. I think that was it. Because what what was the lawsuit? Kramer uh, started smoking and had people come into his apartment. He created oh. it basically like he he started smoking and like he felt bad for all these people in the street that weren't smoking, so he invited them all to his apartment. Yeah, and he like got grossly disfigured, and so he was going to be a millionaire. And then he took he settled without talking to Jackie, and his settlement was he got to be put on a giant billboard as like the Marlboro Man That's in right. the middle of New York With City. The smoke puffing. That's out right. Yep. 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 I remember. I think that was the first one because. That's the one I don't remember, Jackie. Well, no. No, I think that one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. That character was super well written, though. The the lawyer. Yeah. Big fan. Well, and it was based off of a well known uh lawyer at the time. See. But it, but like, you know, they take it like far enough that you still recognize it, but yeah. also far enough that like it's way out there it's its own so, character yeah i forget who it was but somebody was a well-known lawyer at the time that he kind of was based that character off of so. that's one of the reasons i'm you know bummed about watching older shows is i don't have the context of the pop culture at the time but i i know that's going to happen with current shows because current shows do the same thing yeah they're making all these current references and i kind of i kind of cringe when that happens because i'm like it's funny now but like if this show is going to be truly timeless like it might not carry over as well. It all depends on how much you're basing your series on the cultural moments versus referencing them. Right, yeah. And I think Seinfeld's ability to reference them but not base it on it is what kind of allows it to be more timeless. Yep, yep. So Friends is the same way. Like, you know, I've got True. lots of people that are your phase of life that are rediscovering Friends. Oh, and yeah. I never really got into it, but um, they were able to, to navigate that super well. Yeah, Friends was the first... Trying to think. You ever watch Psych? I do. I like Psych. Yeah. Psych was the first like secular show I ever watched. Yeah. And that like got me into that world. And then um because my youth pastor and other people at youth group at the time were watching it. So that's why I started watching that. And then they started talking about friends. So I started watching Friends. And Friends was like the first show that I like laughed out loud at. Wow. And I'm just like, okay, this is really funny. And I know there's there's a whole subset, there's this whole subculture of people online who are just hate on friends. I don't I don't know why. Maybe it's just because they don't like that it's popular. They want to be different. I don't know. So but, I don't hate on it, but like you were either a friends person or a Seinfeld person. Yeah, I understand that. So that was kind of the tension. And so I've never been a fan of friends. And and friends was just a lot more um, dramatic. Yeah. And the romance definitely. stuff was way more central to the storylines. Yeah. Um, the way Seinfeld did the the relationships was basically making fun of themselves. Well, that was the whole show. They were people. making fun of everything. Right. So I think those are two completely different shows. Um, I mean, I can see why you'd want to be one or the other, but yeah. like to me, they hold equal spots yeah. in the yeah. entertainment pendulum. Yeah. Yeah. Pendulum. Um. So you were, I mean, you were into sports in high school. This is this is way more structured than most of these episodes. Most of these. How do podcasts. how do we do? We just start talking about no, it's how much of a clean freak you are, or no, it doesn't have to be about me. I prefer it's not about me. <laughs> we already listened that, to that. That episode. whole episode with Mac like made me cringe. Uh, like so many times, I'm like, 
I don't. Uh, this is getting to me. What maybe was, I'm a, maybe I'm a germaphobe now too. Were you so. just identifying with those I, things? No, I don't. I like I don't naturally identify with them. But how strongly you all were talking about them, <laughs> like I spent a lot of time in hotel rooms, and now like I was like. Maybe I shouldn't be setting myself on the floor. No, I, I still did it this trip. I put all myself on the floor and didn't feel one out of bad about it. But. I mean, most of the things that bother me about it, though, are just, it's just a natural progression if you follow a thought long enough. Like, if you think about, like, you know, this floor probably doesn't get vacuumed or cleaned that much. And people walk around and where do they walk and what do they get on their shoes? They track that in here. <laughs> Uh, like even so like this water bottle that I carry around everywhere, like it's, it's, it's next to my bed at night and I'm pre- I'm taking this around places during the day. And when I set it down somewhere, that's not like really clean. I think like, I'm not going to take this water bottle. Like I'm not going to put it on my bed. It's going to be next to my bed, but I can't put it on my bed. So it's on the floor right now. This doesn't bother me too much. It's clean in here. It's carpet. <laughs> Carpet's a beautiful invention. Cause you can never really tell how dirty it is. If it's good carpet. If if it's good carpet. If it's like old, like my parents, I don't know if you remember in my parents' house, um, they used to have this carpet in there. Um, It had like a weird texture. It was like a bunch of squares. And where was this at? Which room? It was like the default for the entire ground floor. Um, But it got so bad. Like it would, because we would just walk on it with our shoes and like there were, you know, um, you know, like yeah. pathways yeah. worn down oh, in it gosh. and it was like dirty oh, too gosh. no matter how many times you clean it or vacuum it <laughs> oh, no. that's partially probably what what birthed my my germaphobe dirtophobe floor issue because i'm like this is disgusting so the day they got new carpet was that was a great day yeah do you actually go back over to your parents now but before you're avoiding it for years <laughs> <laughs> no they got the new carpet before i moved out carter why don't you come over anymore mom you have to you have to get new carpet, new carpet when you get please. new carpet i'll come over <laughs> You know, until, I, until your carpet gets old again, then I'm gone. It is weird though when like coming because you know how every family their house has a smell. Yes, it's weird now because if I don't go over to their house for a while and then I come back, my nose will actually catch it. Yeah, at, at the very beginning, and then it just re recognizes it. Um, that's, that's like that's so our weird. house. Like we'll walk into our house when we get out of our trailer, and right? It'll be the same smell. Yeah, but you can can it's you pick just, up on it? Oh yeah, 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 like right away. Yeah, because we're out of it for months at a time. Right. Yep. And I heard that your body does that because it, um, if it recognizes something as, um, you know, uh, regular or if it's there most of the time, it kind of blocks it out because it wants to be able to pick out the smells that would um, signify danger. So like smoke or, huh. um, whatever. That's I don't, wild. I don't know if it's true, but it kind of makes sense. I. Would imagine that would be true. That's really incredible. Yeah. Nose is for you. I just was like, I like the smell of my house. <laughs> That's good. It would suck to have, to not like that. I mean, it's my house, right? So I would think that I would have, again, that's also your brain is like wired by that kind of stuff. So it it's also triggering memory mm-hmm. stuff probably too. So. What about your, uh, what about your house's tap water? It's terrible. You don't like it? I mean, I've, I grew up with tap water, but ours is really bad. That's rough. Yeah. And we don't, we don't, I mean, this is, I'm sure there are ways that we could make it better, but I'm too lazy to research them and to do that. Probably now that we're moving back in mm-hmm. permanently, we probably should do that. Cause like right now, like my parents tap water, like I grew up on it. So I really like it. It doesn't have like a weird sub flavor. Yep. 
so even when I have to fill up my water bottle, if I'm going over there for the day, I'll just like not fill it up and I'll just fill it up there because I'm like, this is the this fountain is the, of life. Yep, yep. This is where it comes from. But other tap water? It's up in the air. Like yep. my apartment tap water, um, it actually, because it's city water. I cannot, so I, because I grew up with well water, mm -hmm. I cannot stand most city water. Well, they put like, because like when I fill this up in the morning, I can smell like a little bit of chlorine right. in there. And when I drink it, I can't really taste it. Yeah. But when I'm filling it up, I'm like, I don't want to drink this. Yeah. But, you know, water filters, especially for something this big, like we have a water filter, a Brita yeah, in our fridge, yeah, yeah. but that doesn't work to fill this thing right. up. So, yeah. Do you guys think you're going to stay at your house when you move back? We've talked about different um, possibilities there right now, like anywhere, the housing market is insane. So yeah. we could make a killing on what we paid for our house. Um, we've had it 12 years, but um, we'd up pay for everything else that we move into. So um, we actually... We're actually not far from paying it off. Oh, cool. It's big enough for us, but it's also pretty tight, like, mm -hmm. um, especially as our kids are getting bigger. Right. Um, like, I got a two-car garage that no cars park in because it's just holding all our junk. Yeah. Um, so uh, if we stay there, we might need to add some storage outside somewhere. Um, but it works for us. Um, so it's the reason I ask is because- um, You want to buy my house? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm trying to build a schoolie. You know that. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, you can turn my house into a schoolie. <laughs> I saw. I was driving the other day. Uh, I come back up here, and I saw on the side. It was not far from here. Maybe somewhere in Indiana, like an hour away. Yeah. There was like this farm, and there was like a school bus, like just the right size, sitting out there. Just the right side of a school bus. The right size. Oh, right size. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might have just been the left well, side. Well, I didn't. I didn't really see the other side. Were, so. they, were they selling it? I don't know. It's just parked out oh, there. Park? It's like a weird place to have a school bus. It's just at a farm. Yeah. Was if you like, drive down 31 and look off to your right, eventually huh. you'll see. <laughs> well, do you, you know, like people like like bus drivers, they drive, they park their buses like at their house. But this is like one of the mini buses. Oh. But you guys, I guess you probably want a full size one. I mean, ideally, but I don't know if my budget can swing it. Um, I just thought I'm like, oh, that'd be a cool schoolie. Yeah. Do you know what the, the dream, the dream of dreams. So like the dream is get a school, build a schoolie. But the dream of dreams is have a house that I can pull the schoolie into, not like a garage, oh, I, but like into the this, middle. I heard this episode. I can't, yeah. I with your bunker? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I was tracking with you, man. I think that's a great idea. It's a dream of a dream. You know, it'd be even cooler because this comes from whenever I thought of a dream house when I was a kid. Because for me, the pinnacle of a cool house is if you have running water like near the house. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. if you have a creek running Stream through your whatever, backyard, yeah. I'm yep. like, oh my goodness, yep. yes. So I'm like, what if you had a creek running through the house? Um, <gasps> and like, <gasps> but if you do the bus thing, what if it like runs through the house, but somehow gets like pumped up and then like cascades down over the schoolie? So then when you go to bed in the schoolie, it always sounds like, you know, <laughs> rain on a tin roof. That'd be pretty awesome. That's... Constant white noise. That would be... That would be really expensive. To build. Could have a water wheel, yeah. dude. Yeah. Do you so think in this in the same vein, we were looking because you asked about if we're moving or whatever. Um, we were looking at houses online somewhere in the last couple of months, and one popped up in Niles, I think, mm -hmm. and it had a sunken living room. Ooh. And I was like loving it, and Maggie hated it, and I was I like, like, I was like, Maggie, we could turn this into like a an aquarium. Like you could put like plexiglass over the top. You could be like walking on top of your aquarium. Like it'd be perfect. 
you could you could actually hollow out the bottom and have like you could make it a ball pit under there so your kids could <laughs> crawl underneath and you could just like walk over and look at your kids crawling around. So she's like, "What would we do with that?" I'm like, "Well, you could you could level it out." I said, "Or if you put plexiglass on it, it'd be level and you'd still have the sunken effect." That's pretty cool. The ball pit though would be a great idea. What just if fold it open? What if you did it like uh, a giant like hamster tunnel situation but instead of hamsters you had larger animals running through your the floor of your living room how large i don't know i'm thinking i'm thinking like groundhog beaver i don't know you got just possums and and raccoons like running running. you know what screw it i mean just have like uh just have cleaning those tunnels out that's my question they're gonna poop in there i don't know send sam down there sam could do it sam would like the animal part probably not the poop part but yeah that, I mean, well, that's the thing. Just put, just have the, just have it open to your out to outside, so any animal could crawl in. So you just like walk into your living room in the morning, get a cup of coffee from the kitchen, be like, "What do we have today?" And then you just look down and you see what you got. You know, one of Maggie's favorite animals is an otter. So if you had your bus situation and then had the tunnels for the otters in the and bus? the creek and in the bus, like imagine, imagine the world of possibilities. There's a <laughs> massive world. Do you think? Uh, <laughs> In my head, the only are we getting are we getting more less structured now? Oh are we, yeah, this, is, there? this yeah. is great. Okay. Um, in my head, the only scenario where any of that is actually possible um, is actually not even in this life, but like in heaven. Which leads me to ask: like, do you think that we're going to be able to like build stuff? Like, do you think you'll be able to build a house in heaven? Like, do you think like what do you think that dynamic is going to be? Yeah, I mean, I've um, this is what I tell my kids. Um, and it's what I'm hoping. So I think a lot of um, heaven is what we hope. Because hmm. um, we actually don't have a ton of accounts for what it will be like. We know what won't be there. We know what some of what will be there. But we don't know a lot of the the ins and outs of it. Um, and I don't know the difference between what, what the new heaven, what heaven, the new heaven and new earth will be. So I'm just going to like describe it as if it might be the new earth. Yeah. I The best way I've thought about that is it will be all of the good and none of the bad. So absolutely, I think you will, because that's creativity and God made made us creative and wants us to find joy in all of these amazing things. And so, yeah, I would be shocked if we don't have some of the opportunities to to build and create and make our own things. So yeah, um, I think that's a great place where you might get to discover most of those things. Do you think... I don't know if there'll be schoolies in heaven, but I hope so. I would hope so. I wouldn't... I never thought about that, but I'm like, I want schoolies there. I would want one the the one big thing I want to do in heaven, and I know that like the Bible talks a lot about like lions and lambs laying by each other in the in, in heaven or whatever, um, and I don't know how much of that was metaphorical or real, but obviously death isn't going to be a thing in heaven, so it might as well be true. But to be able to cuddle with like a giant like male lion, it's just like because when I've looked at like their like pic- close up pictures of like. A, a guy lion's face, a guy lion, a male lion's face. It's like very like a wrink- dude lion. Yeah, dude lion. There we go. It's kind of like it's it's kind of like wrinkly, and it looks like this super cool texture. I just want to touch it, but I don't want to get my arm bit off. So I'm just gonna wait till I die to experience that. Um, or go visit Joe Exotic. <laughs> isn't he in prison still? <laughs> I don't know. And those are tigers. Tigers. Are- I think he has lions too. Probably. I guess it's been a while since I watched Tiger King. That was 2020, wasn't it? That wasn't that long ago. Yeah, but I just watched it because uh, I do oh, have I did have access to Netflix for a bit. So you so the chose people staying Tiger in our King. house left their Netflix logged in. So uh, when we were there over Christmas, we we watched it a ton. Tiger King. I watched one episode. and Maggie was done. 
Maggie, I got Maggie to watch the Jordan documentary. Oh, the Michael Jordan mm-hmm. one. Um, the last and dance. she doesn't like sports, but she really enjoyed that. We did too. There's some good. Um, there's a really good documentary I just watched. Um, it's called Fourteen Peaks. Okay. Um, so I actually I kind of wanted to send it to um Natalie Adcox on she your team. She probably would like it yeah. because you know she hikes and stuff like that. But it's this guy from Nepal, mm. and there's. I think there's 14 mountains on the planet that are over 8,000 feet. Um, Everett, Mount Everest is one of those. Yep. And the previous record that somebody's held for hiking or summiting all 14, I think was like seven years. So this guy is like, I'll bet you I can do it in six months. So he goes out and he hikes these mountains in six months. And like people are dying on these mountains like right. all the time. Like as he's hiking it, there's like two situations. One where they find a, high, uh, a climber and they save his life. And another one where they find a climber who's like he's run out of oxygen. It's like the sun's going down. And that other hiker ends up like dying in his arms like on the mountain. It's like it's a crazy documentary. And it's it's a like a it's a movie. So it's like an hour and a half. It's yeah. not episodes. Yeah. But I would highly recommend that. There's a lot of good documentaries that have come out recently and i think that's some of the best storytelling that is out there um it's one thing to make up a story which takes a ton of creativity but to tell the story of what's already going on in a way that's engaging but also truthful and and inspiring i think that's gotta be some of the hardest stuff to to produce so and it's it's one thing if it's like a documentary like um like like that one where there's an objective, there's a clear beginning and there's a clear end. Um, and then there's the struggles in between. Yeah. Um, and then, but then like the one that Graham made with you guys, I mean, we both did, but Graham was the big brain behind it. Like we didn't really know what was going to happen with it. We didn't have a, like a clear ending in mind. Um, well we did, but it changed. Yeah. Um, and like it all shifted so much. So like, that's a completely different animal, but like, it would be awesome to really do a documentary like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know about what. I'd, I'd, dude, I'd go to space in a heartbeat. I'd love to shoot a documentary in space. That's that's one of my favorite questions. I asked you that on the road. I said, if you could go to space, would you go to space? Did I say yes? I think given I, certain I would, parameters, you would. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah certain parameters. Like, yeah. Um, how long does it take to get there? What do I get to do when I'm there? But um, I think it's fascinating um certainly what Elon Musk is doing um you know the the reality is we still only have a very very small percentage of even our own planet mm-hmm. that we've discovered when you factor in how deep and vast the oceans are yeah um and lots of other places like anywhere there's tons of rainforests and things so um but imagine like all that's still out there to be explored yeah it's crazy i i can't get over like those so you tell me that story about those climbers I cannot figure out why somebody would take that much risk because it's very risky. Extremely. Like even even really expert level um, people that have done it and guides, like mm-hmm. they die all the time out there. So I'm really curious often what's inside somebody to take that level of risk for, I guess it's the accomplishment of it. Um, cause I can't imagine the scenery up there is that beautiful. Cause it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like, cool. like snow blowing in your face. Like it super, I mean like once you're speeds, once you're up at the top, then, you know, you look, you're like way above the clouds and like you see the other mountains peeking through. But I feel like once you get up one, you've seen them all. Like 
it's probably all pretty similar. Like watching the documentary, even they just kind of fly through one mountain after the other. It's kind of like, oh, yep, I've seen this one. Yep, seen it. Yep, cool. Oh, somebody died. Okay. Um, but he was talking, um, th- that climber, his first name is Nims. His last name's Funky because he's N- Napoli. Um, but he uh, he did the whole thing and he said it multiple times throughout. Because he wanted to like inspire people and like show that like anything is possible, which is a very generic um, kind of goal for something like that. And it kind of it does it leads me to wonder like I don't know if that's the real reason. I think that's what he's telling himself, but I don't know that it's the real reason. And I think that's again the the capacity as humans to tell ourselves a different story than what's really true. Yeah. Um, is pretty pretty wild. Mm-hmm. So our our ability to be not aware um, of ourself, um, and that's again back to the Seinfeld. Like that's where that's where that show had value for me and still does. Is um, you're watching these characters struggle with self awareness, but then eventually um, get to some places with it, but then also revert back because that's a cycle for all of us. Mm-hmm. Self aware, self aware, self aware, not self aware. Self-aware, 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 not self-aware. And I was talking to one of my team members about this recently. They're like, how long am I going to keep like struggling through some of these issues? And I'm like, my observation is like that you're going to be working through the same root issues in your life for your entire life. Yeah. Where that plays out um, will change. But just about the time you think you've like overcome that root issue <laughs> – like you have a new revelation in your self-awareness about that. So Yeah, I see that pattern for sure a lot. And it's it's hard because you're trying to move forward kind of past those obstacles. So you do, you kind of like, you're telling yourself one thing, at least this is what I see in myself, is I haven't figured out an, an issue yet. So I kind of just tell myself something um, that would like help get me through it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I just kind of keep hitting that wall, even though I'm trying to get around it. And then eventually I kind of hit a point of just kind of like rock bottom where it does, where I become self-aware again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a sucky process, but it does seem like it just keeps going. <laughs> I mean, if, if there's a different way to go about it, I have yet to discover it and meet, meet someone that does. But um, yeah, self-awareness is is key. And then their ability uh, to be honest with ourselves in those moments is is huge. So I think you're right. That guy probably did not either wasn't able to be honest with himself or wasn't self-aware enough to, to be clear what his motivations are. And I'm not sure any of us, this side of eternity gets to actually experience that. I think there's always a degree to which we're not seeing um, parts of ourselves Mm -hmm. or, or not being honest with ourselves. The honesty bit is definitely really big. Um, Even lately, I've just kind of like, I've started processing out loud with myself a little bit talking to myself basically and I will just say out loud exactly what I'm feeling I'm just like oh that is not what I've been telling myself the whole time but now that I said it out loud I'm like yeah that's actually that's more the truth of this situation and how does that help you I mean it definitely like it helps me be honest with myself because it's like I kind of know my motivation for something the entire time but I think where a lot of people get hung up this is where I got hung up for a while and I still do is I uh I'm uh, I'm on it. Hold on, let me let me talk out loud for a minute. Um, 
I forgot entirely what I was going to say. Um, like just like when I'm honest with myself, it definitely helps, but that's, it's more of a, it's more of a recent thing. It's oh, where, where, where it would get hung up is, um, I feel like I need to know my motivation. This is what I was going to say. Yeah. Like I need to know, cause like for a while, um, you know, I wanted to like be a vlogger on YouTube or like all these other things. Um, and I'm like, well, what's my motivation? Cause like, and as a Christian, I'm like, I need to have the right motivations. I can't do this for the wrong motivation. So then I like microanalyze it mm. and I can feel something deep down in me that's not quite right, but I, I'm not able to be honest with myself about yeah. it. Or I, my current theory is kind of like whatever goal I have, there's part of it that's motivated by a selfish part, but there's a bigger picture that I should be focusing on instead of that, that selfish part. Um, but it's hard because I'm kind of a perfectionist. So I see that in myself. I see that there's a bad motivation there. And so I don't do anything. Yeah. And that's where I get hung up. Yeah. I mean, I think the the majority of people that grew up in our streams of Christianity um, were always taught to question our motivations, mm -hmm. which is um, valuable on one level because you're right. Um, they're inside each one of us. Everything that we're doing does have a distorted motivation at some level. The problem with that is that at a deeper level, there's probably a God-given motivation that's actually, um, if it was um, pursued and realized um, rightly, would be beautiful. Um, the, the, the tension is, and some of this goes back to like, I don't know if you were able to even follow some of this, but when you guys were recording us um, and Lucy and I was walking our team through this transformation um, grid work that somebody just shared with me in the last few months. But, um, you know, we all have these needs inside of us, needs for um, security, needs for significance, needs for control. There's uh, just different theories on what those actually are, but three or four primary ones. And then around them, there's this whole web of lies that we have to undo. And so you might be addressing a right motivational need, but you're looking at it through a lens that's not truthful. Hmm. And that's where the getting honest with yourself helps. And then you have to like, so this is really what I'm looking for in this, but what is it that I'm believing um, that's not true about the situation or about God or about myself or about others that's keeping me from actually getting to what I really want um, in one of those, those needs. So, you know, you mentioned that desire to be a vlogger and YouTuber in that is a right desire to be um, probably at some level um, significant, to contribute to the world in a significant, meaningful way. Yeah. Um, Jesus had lots to say about that and he, he lived his life that way. So there's nothing wrong with that desire. It's actually a beautiful God-given desire. It allows us to actually want to live with purpose and meaning and impact other people. But where and we get that met and how we get that met is where we get so, so disordered. And that's where the honesty piece, I think, Mm -hmm. comes into play. Honest about ourselves, about what we're really looking for. Honest with ourselves about what we're believing that's not true. Yeah. And then we can able to actually move towards what we really were, were designed to experience. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really interesting. Um, Cause even outside of the Christian circles, people are starting to figure out that being honest with yourself is huge. Like I'm reading a book. Um, he's a CrossFit athlete. His name's Matt Frazier. He's like yeah. one of the fittest guys in the world. Um, hey, second to me. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do way, a lot of, I do a lot of, I do, I do a lot of fitness. The way you bound it in here, I, a lot of, I, mean. I fit a lot of stuff. <laughs> I 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have to get you to work out with me now that you're gonna. Oh be back gosh, in town. that's so that I can't tell you how scared I oh, am. Dude, of that let's start idea. out. It's easy. I'm not as I'm it's, not as it's easy. I'm not as stupid as I used to be. Says the guy that's 14 or 15 years younger than me and has been working out way more religiously than I have. We could find where you're comfortable and we can work with that. I'll and tell you where I'm comfortable. You ready? Yeah. On my couch. That's where I'm comfortable. <laughs> I'm gonna walk into your house. I'm gonna give you a five pound d- barbell or dumbbell. I'm just be like, here, just. I hope I'm a times. little past that. I don't know how much, but I I do hope I'm a little past that. <laughs> um, anyway, anyway, anyway. I, we should try to figure out how to do that. Um, yeah, but uh, Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier. Um, I'm reading a book, which I'm super proud of that I'm actually reading books again because I'm like I'm. Books are a huge form of, you know, knowledge and stuff yeah. that people can pass on. Um, and I hated reading for a while. Um, but now I'm getting back into it. But That's I'm great. reading his. And he was talking about like even his motivations and toward the end of one of his chapters of this book, which is mostly a fitness book, um, he actually gives a prompt in the book. He's like, journal about your motivations um, for exercise or whatever um, and write down the the bad ones, quote unquote, like the, um, the ones that you're too afraid to say out loud um, because he's like, you need to be able to be honest with yourself so that you can actually... You know, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like exercise where you need to have the proper form for something before you lift heavy weights with it. Otherwise, you hurt yourself. If you try to go the distance um, with bad motivation uh, without being honest with yourself, then you're going to end up hurting yourself mm. like emotionally or not yeah. even get to point B. Yeah. Um, so it's just it's super interesting because I've heard people here at Life Action say it before, like the secular world is figuring this stuff out, but they're missing some of the pieces. Um but here we are on my personal podcast talking about one of the six responses. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's where I think um, why I've continued to value the ways of Jesus is because he makes sense in so many categories of life. Mm-hmm. And it only takes um, sometimes uh, centuries for humans to figure out what he was saying and how he was living all along. Right. Um and science starts proving that and theories. And so um, I was talking to a friend recently. They're um, just struggling with some mental health stuff in their family. And um, I was just telling them, I'm like, you know what? Years from now, it wouldn't be surprising to me to find out that this mental health situation, there was actually like some really beautiful things God was doing in the midst of that that wouldn't be discovered apart from it. Mm. Um, because that's been true of lots of um, those kind of studies in in medicine and even mental health stuff. Um it's just that we're limited and confined to what our science is telling us um, at some level. Um, you know, we've got what God's word says. We've got the way Jesus lived. But some of that has to be discovered at another level for us to start, like, actually seeing the value in it and living it out. Um, and it's great when that happens in a cultural standpoint because that's just another way that God is bringing his kingdom to earth is through um, what is not a traditional Christian source. Yeah. But he is helping people realize that. And it draws people back to like, oh, Jesus said that. Maybe I should pay more attention to this, what this Jesus guy had to say. And I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like you need to, um, because you can see that stuff. You can get all this stuff pushed in your face. Like even if, um, you know, there's, there's, I mean, there's science out there to back up the Bible and whatever else that you're talking about. Um, But you need to have that desire to be able to connect those dots. And I feel like a lot of people just don't have that. I feel like, because even even I struggle to feel the need for it, unless I'm in a crappy part of my life where I'm like, I need to figure this stuff out. Yeah, when life is going well, um, we don't spend a lot of time doing the work of um, what would actually make it um, be even better. 
So I don't know what, I don't know why. I mean, I wish I had the answers to this because um, I would be doing it more often, but crisis um, personally or, or in your, your world just has a way of motivating you to re-examine some stuff that everyday life doesn't really provide. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where, um, like for us, so the, the world that we live in, we transition multiple times a year and then we transition multiple, um, like from on the road, off the road, on the road, off the road, home, et cetera. But then every couple of weeks we're moving our trailer. So we're transitioning again. Um, it's like this built-in crisis moment that causes you to have to reevaluate everything all over again. And so then I wonder, right, when you look at the way Jesus lived his life and the way he tried to follow his disciples, they didn't mm-hmm. stay put very long. Yeah. Um, lots of theories and reasons for that. I've started to wonder if it wasn't to upset the rhythms so that they were more intentional about evaluating what was really going on. Because when mm. your rhythms are going well, you don't really spend a lot of time evaluating um, these kind of areas of your life. It takes some crisis or some situation that causes you to go, let me let me dive into that a little bit. That makes a lot of sense. So I don't think you were off. I just, I think why it's wired that way, I don't have a grid work for yet. Somebody else might. Huh. If you do. Comment below. Well, it's. I, mean, I don't know if you know it's that kind of podcast. I don't know. DM us. I don't know. Do you have a? Do you have a hard out? No. Do you have time? You got to bounce. Okay. No. Well, well, we'll wrap it up soon. But um, uh, I feel. I I think that um, it's just a natural. I mean, I, I wish it wasn't true, but you know, we we desire comfort. We desire to not be in conflict. Um, and I think so. We naturally settle into, um, whatever rhythm we find that keeps us there as long as we can. We, we have a misconception that, um, that stability is what we were designed for. Mm-hmm. So because even in stability, there's, there's these obstacles and challenges because mm-hmm. we live in the fall. Um, we tell ourselves that if I can just create a stable enough environment, I can manage around these things. That's true. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not encouraging people to create instability for no reason. Yeah. But it's a false assumption that that stability and comfort um, is the best way to live. Mm. Um, but it doesn't also mean that you don't actually have to really deal with instability, and you shouldn't be necessarily seeking it out. The, it's a balance. I just don't know where you where that perfect balance is for me, even yeah. let alone anybody else. Well, I think most people are struggling with just not being satisfied. Um, because they 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 go into that rut that rhythm of what they view as comfort, but I mean even though they're sacrificing maybe maybe bigger conflict moments in their life, they just have kind of this even pressure of not doing enough. Um, that's kind of, I mean that's something that I've struggled with is it, it feels like um, and social media in comparison doesn't help at all absolutely, but it's just. And, and putting it more in like a warped, albeit, but a, more of a Christian lens is like, um, I want to do everything that I can do to bring honor and glory to God. I want to maximize my life for something bigger than myself. Um, and it doesn't feel like I'm doing it. So it's just like, there's still that pressure of that. I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Or, and I think, and that's, that's over the course of the last, I don't know, 10 years or so led me to be just like super busy. And, um, I didn't realize it that that's what it was until more recently, but it's, 
um, there's a struggle of not being content and not being satisfied, but I don't know that I should be content where I am yeah. either. Yeah, that goes back to that, you know, I talked about the transformation good work. You, you're alluding to, again, this huge need you have for significance, mm-hmm. God-given. Right. But you, your belief has been false. Um, and the, 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 the good work I was given was lies we believe about God, um, hurts and fears from our past, and lies we believe uh, from family origin. So family origin, another way to describe that is um, what you were taught to believe, not necessarily from your family, but by your community group. Mm-hmm. Right. So our community group, um, we're from similar traditions and backgrounds, um, taught us that the significance was found in activity. Um, if you go back to what Jesus actually said, the significance is found in, um, you were made in God's image. So therefore every human is significant. Like we want to say like, well, if you're in Christ, just no, no, every human is significant. Then if you're in Christ, you have another level of significance because <laughs> Christ has redeemed you. Right. Then his spirit lives inside of you. So all forms of the Trinity, like are pointing back to the significant part of who you are. Hmm. But our lie has been, right, that significance is found in inactivity. Right. And so when you say things like or feel things like, I'm, I'm always there, um, often there, uh, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. What you're really telling yourself is that my, my significance is found in activity, not in a state of being. Hmm. And um, Jesus tries to tell his disciples all the time, like, it's, it's about your being, not your activity. And as your being, God will open up all of these amazing activities to be a part of with him. Hmm. Um, but we're so defined, even, even culturally, yeah. by our activity. So you just you ask people, tell me about yourself. You know what they start describing? What they do. Like they all of the things they're involved in. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's, it's social relationships, but even those are often defined by what they are contributing to that social relationship. Hmm. So it's not just a, you know, um, your, your upbringing or background or, or ours, uh, that's similar. It really is a cultural, um, thing. Yeah. And if I was like, you know, trying to come up with a master, if that, if that pathway, if that discipleship transformation process is true and I was, um, the chief lie maker in the world, I would disrupt all of those things and that um, if if activity is a replacement for being and activity keeps you from being, I would put all of my efforts and energies into make people really believe and spend time on the activity piece. Mm. Um, I don't have a solution for that other than just the, the reality that there's some truth there, I think. Um, but... I think you just have to keep realizing and reminding yourself that I could I can exhaust myself trying to create significance, um, or I can rest in the significance that's already been provided to me. You know what doesn't help that whole situation at all is the fact that well I'm probably wrong. What I see as a fact of that the Bible is a bunch of stories of activity, um, and it's not. At least that's how I see it. You know, you got the extremes of, you know, God telling Moses, go get my people out of Egypt and be an insane public speaker and convince the leader of one of the most powerful kingdoms in the world to let go, you know, all these millions of slaves he has. Um, Or then, you know, you got Elijah 
calling down flames, you know, onto an altar to show up, you know, the, yeah. the, it's like, these are, these are activities. These are things that like, at least this might just be part of the, how I was raised or how we were raised, but it's kind of like, you see these big feats of, of, you know, it's not even, it's not us. Um, but you know, God uses people to do things. So you see stories of like, of that in the Bible and you feel like to be, you know, a good Christian or significant, you need to be doing things to the max. Yeah. And there's actually a pressure too from the church, um, at least from the kind of the church I grew up in that, you know, there's all these big stories of supernatural healings and stuff like overseas. And it's like, we're not doing that in America. We need to do, you know, better, you know, we need to do whatever they're doing, yeah. you know, and that's just, it's just, a, it's a lot of pressure to do. Yeah. Tons of it. And um, again, if this is a cultural thing beyond even just our church, which I think it is, mm-hmm. um, but it certainly is in our church, wouldn't that be how we would tell those stories to each other? So what if those stories aren't actually saying that? What if those stories aren't actually saying, look at all the great, powerful, amazing things these people did, mm-hmm. and they're telling something different. But because they came from a tradition and from people that saw this as the part of it, that would be clearly how you would articulate the story. So mm-hmm. you're a storyteller. I mean, you, you do the, um, a lot of creative work. You know there's not one side to every story. Right. Um, I wonder if we took enough time to really evaluate it in the bigger picture, if we wouldn't start seeing a different narrative um, arise from some of those stories. Hmm. The one that comes to mind immediately is um, Jesus with Mary and Martha. Mm-hmm. Jesus made it very clear. Um, and again, we, 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 we ostracized Martha too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus made it very clear that like there was not extra value added by what she was doing versus what Mary was doing. Right. So the other part of that that I look to, Hebrews um, 11 is that heroes of faith part, Hebrews 12, which I want it is. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you read that account, those are actually really amazing stories of what God did through people. But if you actually did some backstory reading, those are actually really terrible people. <laughs> like if you just evaluated the people in Hebrews, whatever, 11, 12, I can't never remember which one, how, how, chaotic and destructive their lives were apart from those few times God used them. Like you'd be like, well, man, that's what is God really? Why, why is God really using these people? What that passage keeps referring back to is their faith. And I would say it's all, that's a, that's an obedience piece. So our, our significance is not found in the degrees of our obedience. It's just found in the proximity to Jesus when we are living a life of obedience. Hmm. Maybe. As I tell people often, that's my current theory. I attest that I probably am wrong. And if you ask me in three months, I'll have a different articulation of that at some level. Hopefully not wildly, but it could be different as I as I continue to learn and grow. Which is why we only have these deeper talks every three months. <laughs> <laughs> probably true, man. Yeah. You gotta you gotta get them out of me and then you gotta take time to pick out what's true and what's not. So Well, yeah. when you when you move back, we'll start having them more and maybe some of them will be like I got to know Mac better because he started working out with me and we would sit in the sauna and just talk in the sauna. That's pretty close to sitting on your couch. I went to a hotel in the last few months and they had a sauna and I did enjoy it. So dude, where's your gym? Right over here. And they have a sauna. They do. What's the monthly fee? 
uh, for an individual, um, if you sign up for a year, it's sixty a month. It's a little bit, it's a little bit spendy, but it's a nice gym. It's kind of sauna. I could probably get sixty dollars worth of value out of that sauna. And, and they have a hot tub. Does it come with? Does it come with Netflix? <laughs> Tell you what, I'll give you my login, <laughs> and then that'll work out fine. Thanks, man. It was fun. To yeah, hang out with you today. Thank you.